preparing to live stream. It says we are live. Let's wait a, a minute or so and let some uh, listeners join in here. No cuss words in the meantime. Got it. Let me mute my YouTube. Hey, everyone. There we go. Hello, everyone. We're going to like I said, give this a couple, like a, uh, not a couple minutes, a minute and uh, let a few people join. I know uh, Pablo was a little confused by the new time slot. Yeah. And we didn't really yeah, announce it like it, it's going to impact people in Australia, but hopefully it's going to impact Australia in a great way. Cause now it's 9am here. So yeah. Missing so the we morning. might only have 1 million viewers instead of like 2 million viewers. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Pretty popular. Right, well, hey, it looks like we already have nine watching. So that's that's pretty good. You guys ready to start? Let's do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. All right. Welcome to Divi Chat episode 102. That is that is insane to think about. It's every episode we go over 100. Seems like uh, seems like uh, it's just been going on for a long time, and it's been a blast. So uh, on today's episode, we are going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to most web developers and designers' hearts. And we've had some great experiences and some not so good experiences in this, but we're going to talk about the best practices for handing off websites to clients. So uh, you finish the website, it's ready to pass on to your client. And uh, what, what are the best practices and methods for, for doing that? But before we get started, let's uh, introduce tonight's host. So uh, typically we uh, start with ladies first and... Uh, the only lady on the episode today is Miss Sarah Oates. So let's let's start with her. Mrs. Sarah. Hi. That's true. Hi, I'm Sarah Oates. I'm from Endure Web Studios. You can catch me at endure.com.au or Endure Web on the socials. That's it. All right. Thanks for joining us today in this uh it's kind of a small, small group of panelists, but we'll we'll get to job done. But it's the it's coolest ones. It, yeah. it is. That's right. It so is. it yeah. makes up for it. We'll, we'll say everybody, everybody else is out voting here in the United States. Make it. All right. Josh, how's it going, buddy? Good, man. Good, Corey, Sarah. Good to see you guys. Yeah, so I'm Josh. I'm in Columbus, Ohio, and you can find my Divi and WordPress-related stuff at joshhall.co. And then my web design business is called In Transit Studios, if you want to see what we're up to there. All right. Thanks for coming on, Josh. And uh, I am Corey Jenkins, uh, coming at you from beautiful Mile High Prescott, Arizona, where it's kind of unusually warm. We're like almost 70 degrees today. So I'm sitting here in shorts and sandals and uh, my windows open enjoying the weather. It's nice. Nice before the cold weather hits. Yeah, it's nice. the opposite here. We've had like really hot weather. And then today I'm like in a cardigan and jeans and shoes again. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, we're, we're getting down like below freezing uh, this week at night, but at least the days <laughs> are nice, but we're getting down in, into the, you know, the 20s uh, Fahrenheit, which that sounds horrible. <laughs> um, but you can find me, uh, I forgot to tell you where you can find me because everybody is very curious, um, divi.space, aspengrovestudios.com, and uh, various places on the web. So, all right, well, you guys ready to kick off this episode? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, Josh, you look like you were very intrigued by this topic, and I can tell you have a ton to say. So let's start <laughs> by kind of explaining what handing off a website to a client is, like in general. Um, and, and, you know, and, and maybe when that process is like ready to go, you know, it's ending the near end of development design. When does that happen? And, and what, what are the next steps? 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a self-explanatory topic, but it's something that um, I think bears a lot of meaning to dive into a little more detail because I, t- I tend to try to get the details up front if I, if I can find out whether a client wants to edit their site or not. Because the problem that I've had in the past is that if you don't get all those details up front, then when you build a website, if you didn't intentionally build it for them to edit, like if you have CSS in there that only you know, if you have developed it in a way that's not really user-friendly, but it's good code-wise, um, the client could want to take it over and then it's a nightmare. Then it becomes something where you have to redesign things. And um, I've seen some situations like that happen in my experience. So what I try to do is try to know right up front whether a client wants to know whether they want to edit their site moving forward. Um, I have a website questionnaire that I try to get that right out of the way. That way I can know. And then I ask how many people are working on the site because that's another issue too. You can hand off a site to a client and this one client might be great, but then they have a colleague who doesn't know anything and they can mess everything up. So it's, it's really tricky business. Um, I figure I'm curious to see you know, where you guys have come from with all this. Um, but generally I try to find out right from the start, like I said, whether I know they want to update the site and then I build the site around that. So if I think that they're going to be really, really involved with the site, I will generally try to make the designs a little more clean and easy to use. I usually won't do too much custom CSS in the parts that they're going to be editing. Um, and I'll try to make it really simple for them to edit. Whereas if it's a client who basically tells me, you know what, I might change some content, but I pretty much want you to just do it and I'll just let you know, then I'll get a little more creative on the design end. So those two things have really, really helped me avoid a lot of headaches and a lot of nightmares uh, by just doing those two things. So, so yeah, I mean, really from, I think Corey, you were asking about maybe potentially like when you find out they're going to edit the site, the best time to figure that out, I guess, to kind of kick this off is right from the start, because the worst thing you want to do is launch a site and then the client say, Oh, I want to edit it. And then that can turn into a, a nightmare. Uh, that, that's a very good point. I can see how that can affect kind of design and, and development from that standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I don't think I've ever had a client. Well, I've had a couple of clients who've eventually said, nah, I don't want to make any changes, but I think for the most part, my websites, like part of my sales process is helping people understand that they can edit it. And, and the reason that I'm using Divi is to empower them so that they can make those changes moving forward. So I have a general assumption that most clients will want to at least change out photos and text, potentially write a blog. Um, But for for the most part, they're going to want to be able to do that stuff. I've only had a couple of clients who've really wanted to get their hands dirty. So like once the website's done, they want to just kind of be able to have free reign on it. I think those are the trickiest clients, to be honest, because yeah, I don't do everything in the modules themselves. If I know a client is going to want to like absolutely change everything, fonts and all those kind of things, I'll try and keep stuff out of the CSS as much as I can. But I would say for the most part, like all my clients have stuff in um, in CSS. And if I find it right at the end that I'm going to need to completely hand it off, sometimes I'll just move the CSS into the Divi theme options area so that then even if it's not me that's helping them moving forward, someone else can find where that code is a little bit easier than it being dug away in the child theme. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and in that case, I, I think it is very important. If you're not going to be the long-term um, person who's working on the website, make sure all your code is like notated and organized very neatly. And that, that's good practice in general as a, as yeah. a web developer. 
Um, you know, it, it, if you throw in some code that does something, you should like say this controls a WooCommerce sidebar or this controls. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think I think from the get go, you, you know, just the type of website it is, the type of client it is, you can kind of get a sense of what type of updates they're going to be doing. Obviously, if it's an e-commerce, yeah. uh, they're selling stuff online, you know, they're going to be creating products and yeah. whether that's uh, WooCommerce or EDD, that should be easy for them to do. And, and you should anticipate them updating products because, I mean, you know, unless they don't have an in-house person to help out or they have like no spare time, chances are more often than not, they're going to want to jump in and add their own products. Uh, same yeah. goes with like travel blogs or different things like that. They're going to be posting, they're going to be adding categories, removing categories, tags, things like that. So, so that's, that's the kind of thing that you should anticipate. So, um, yeah. so in, in anticipation of that, what are the kind of things that you guys do to maybe make the transition smooth? And uh, I know, uh, I, I always, so in that same questionnaire, I ask, what's your technical skill level? Because that's really important too. Cause somebody could just say, I just want to update my website. Oh, it sounds so simple, but you have no idea what you want to do. Like you guys were just talking about, it all depends on the level of what yeah. they want to update. So I, one thing that's helped me is asking their skill level. And then most people, I, I mean, it's interesting because most people who are not tech savvy at all will just tell me flat up, they don't want to touch it. Um, yeah. But some people are a little more challenged than others where, where they'll let me know if they're pretty savvy and they can pick up quick or they're going to need handheld through each little thing. Do you, um, do you find people are honest in that question? Like, do you, I, I do you find people are pretty, <laughs> like, are they accurate in the way they answer that? Because I could imagine people would want to yeah. say, oh, yeah, not too bad. I, I do okay. And then, like, you know, I'm finding more and more as I'm showing people how to do stuff in Divi, they find it much more overwhelming than I think they're going to find it. Yeah, I have. Actually, that's a good question, Sarah. I think most people have been pretty uh, self-aware as far as their skill level. Um there have been a few where they're like, oh yeah, I can do it. And they get into it and they're like, oh, you know what? You just do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's where, and you were talking about Divi being, um, you know, while it is super user-friendly, if you're somebody who is not a web designer, it's still very tricky, any sort of builder. And that's what just kills me about this whole like Wix and um, like build your own website. It's no big deal. Some, even some of those are maybe more user-friendly than Divi, but it's all still tricky. It's, yeah. and you don't know design and there's a lot of things that clients can mess up. So um, the one thing I've done, I think to kind of maybe segue on how I train clients and how I help clients is uh, I have, I've mentioned before, I have a client resources page and it's basically a collection of pretty simple tutorials. A um, couple just overviewing WordPress and the text editor, how to use that, the visual versus the text side and how to embed videos and things like that. And then I'll just go over some Divi basics. So I'll just like, it's a 10 minute video on what the Divi builder is, how to use it. Um, I know that Divi has worked really hard and Elegant Themes have done a lot of tutorial videos. However, I think clients feel a little overwhelmed when they start seeing all of them. Um, you know, I know they can go on the page and they can get kind of directed towards it, but it seems like uh, the client testimonial videos or the client resources videos that I've put together have kind of helped with that. And then it gives me a more personal approach because the video is me. It's not like I'm sending out a tool that, you know, somebody else has put videos to. Um, so that's been huge for me. It's been a massive help in sending people asking some basic questions. Like I use Gravity Forms. So instead of someone emailing me every time saying, hey, how do you change the people who can get a notification with the form? I can just say, just watch this video and it'll answer that for you and any other questions you have. 
Um, so those are a couple ways that have really helped me when it comes to handing off the sites like practically, because um, it's really important. Now, when you do that, I presume you use like like Loom or a tool like that to record the videos. Uh, I actually, it's I did them last year, and these were all on YouTube, so I have on my In Transit YouTube channel. Um, they're un, they're unlisted, so they're not live. Um, but I use actual video software for those. Uh, but yeah, Loom is a good a good thing you could use for that, now, and you could put them on Vimeo. Now, to give those to the client, do you just send them links, or do you create like a hidden page on their website, or like a password protected page that they can access and it has all those links in it or? Oh, good question. So two different ways. I have my, my client resources page is actually live. So you can just go to intransitstudios.com slash client dash resources. Um, I'm not too worried about keeping it too private, but I send clients there. Everybody go there right now and crash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I do send people there for like the generic videos, but then if we are doing a site that's more targeted and there's a lot more to it, then I will use um, Tim's Divi dashboard welcome plugin. And then I'll create videos in their dashboard. So this, that way it's like, here's how to post events here. Here's how to edit your store products or something. Um, so it depends on the project, but, uh, but yeah, both of those solutions have been huge for me with handing sites off. Yeah, we, we are, I have a collection of loom videos and I find that some I can repurpose for clients and I'll, you know, send those to them. I haven't done, well, I, I have done in the past, and this is like, you know, uh, several years ago, set up like a page on the client site and I like embed the videos and they can go to the page and watch them. Um, these days we don't do a ton of like, you know, client sites anymore. So last few times we have done them, we, you know, we just email them links, say like, you know, save these somewhere and use these Loom videos. Either I repurpose some um, or, you know, uh, you know, cause creating a post, it's kind of the same throughout unless they mm -hmm. have like, you know, their own unique post layout. But, but I also find like each client project is unique. So, so more often than not, you're creating at least like two or three videos that are specific to the project. And I, I you know, I guess if they do work for another client, you can use them. So maybe it's important to like, not say like, uh, you know, the person's name, you know, uh, Hey, Joe Schmo, uh, this video here, will show you. Um, and kind of keep them a little bit more generic, but just in case they can be repurposed. But I don't know. I, I guess I guess in the end, if you need to shoot like another three minute video, it's not a big deal. Yeah. yeah I, sorry, guys, Sarah. Oh, I I use Loom as well. So I I have a client folder set up in Loom for every single client, and I've just allowed an hour at the end of a job to make up videos. So I have thought about making generic videos, but like you say, everyone's is slightly different. And what I find is that often clients, like even if it's a little bit different to their site, they still feel a little bit overwhelmed mm -hmm. or even just the fact that Divi is continually changing, that changes their experience once they get into it. And so what I've ended up doing is just allowing an hour at the end of a job to just make up all the videos. So I probably make maybe five or six videos at the end of a job and it's all for them. And so sometimes I'm going through exactly the same stuff that I tend to go through and maybe I should be making generic videos. Like I kind of like the idea of having some generic videos. And now that Loom has announced that, that they're going to start charging for how many videos that you have on Loom, um, that may change the way that I do it. And I may need to look at doing some more generic videos and then just doing the specific ones that cater to them. But I, I find that clients really like the fact that their video is exactly what they see when they log in. So when they go to their website, it looks exactly the same. It has exactly the same sections and everything, and they can see exactly and just kind of copy along with me. 
Um, so to this point, I have just allowed, because like I said, it only takes about an hour to go through all the different aspects of everything that they're going to want to be able to change. Um, and I just make them a folder. I share that folder with them. And then I can just keep adding videos to their Loom folder. So as they um, have questions along the way, I just say I've chucked it in the Loom folder, give them the link again. Um, and then that way they can always go back to it and they've just got, you know, and that can build up over time and have more and more videos available. Um, I used to use Screencastify, which was quite good. And then I'd have it saved on my own hosting, but I moved to Loom and I can't see myself moving away. I, their current plan They've just announced that they're going to start charging. Um, and so they've said once they announce that they're charging, then everyone will get as many videos as they currently have plus 100 videos on the free plan or else you're going to have to start paying. And I haven't said how much you're going to have to start paying. I, I did think about like going and making 10,000 videos in the next week <laughs> just, just in case yeah, and then I can like replace them. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, so I think I'm going to end up paying for Loom, to be honest. Um, but potentially if you made a lot of generic videos, you could manage to fit them within the hundred potentially. I'm not really sure, but. And that's the thing with, with the generic videos. Cause to your point, Sarah, yeah, it's a, it's a big difference when a client gets to see their site. Um, yeah. my generic videos are basically just the WordPress, like text editor, and just some basics of WordPress. And then just how Divi is structured with sections, rows and modules some of the, some of the basic module settings yeah. and things like that. That way it really wouldn't matter what site they're on. Like the back end would look the same. Pretty yeah. much. Um, and yeah, but, but there is kind of a healthy balance because I did, I had one client who had a WooCommerce site recently and then I sent him to that page, but I don't have any WooCommerce videos yet. And so he was yeah. like, yeah, this is cool, but there's not really anything that's directed towards the products or anything. I was like, crap. Yeah. So um, with that one, I did the same thing. I did some loom videos yeah. Um, interesting and about the like with woo you probably need it to be custom to be honest because everyone's right. woo site is going to be completely different like whether it's right. very pro variable products or simple products or digital products like it's going to be totally different for every person i would say yeah that's a good point point. and another point you talked about that i think is really important to not glance over is you said that you allow an hour after a project to do those videos that's super important too this should all be a billable service and i think that's like per I didn't used to think about it like that. When I thought about training clients, I just thought, well, they paid me for a website. I'm going to train them. But a training could be hours of time altogether. And it could yeah. be more if they continually come back for questions. So I factor that in from the get-go, which is why I ask right, right from the top, do you want training? Do you need, uh, do you want to edit the site? And then once we comb through the details of the site, then I kind of know, okay, this one's going to be a really custom site. They're going to need like some custom videos. It's probably going to take me a couple hours you know, then, then I'm going to charge for that. I'm going to kind of, I'm not, I may not put that as a line item, although I do say in my proposals, um, training videos and custom, uh, training like that. Cause I yeah, used to I, do, Oh, sorry, Corey. Oh, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just gonna say, I used to do live training with clients yeah. and then I would just catch myself doing the same thing over and over and over yeah. again. Now, if a client requests that I still might do it and just have that factored in to the proposal. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's where making these videos, it, I mean, the long and short of it is whatever you're doing multiple times, make it a system, make it a video or something that's already there. That way you can save time in the long run. Yeah. yeah. I think Tim was saying that, sorry, oh, <laughs> I think Tim was saying that they do, he does training like a Skype with someone and he just records it and then like provides that to the client afterwards, which I think isn't a bad idea because the client can ask questions as you're going. 
but in my experience, those ones always go longer. And the downside of it is that then you're handing them a one to two hour video. And then if they want to go back and try and work out, oh, how did I just change out an image? Then all of a sudden they have to like try and section through the video and try and find it to rewatch it. Whereas if you're doing a whole right. bunch of little loom videos, they can just go find the video that says how to change out a staff member. And they're not having to like find where was it in that two hours. Exactly. That would so yeah. That that's the reason that I don't do that. But I Tim does it. I think he still does it, and I think he's found that pretty effective. So that's another way you can do it as well. Yeah. Um, Sorry, oh, that's all right. Um, Uncle Social, who last week I I saw that we suspected was SJ, but I, I'm not sure about that. Um, <laughs> he said, "Am I a bad person? I never feel obligated to train clients in web design. I always try to take myself out of the web design space and like." imagine somebody else doing a big service for me and what I would expect at the end of it. So like, so if I hire, if I hire a plumber and they come in and they put in this like brand new, like fancy uh, tank, you know, tankless hot water heater and a new sink that maybe, you know, operates differently in a shower that the, you know, controls are different. I, I would, I would expect that plumber to like, at the end of it, like, Hey, here's how you don't like burn yourself. Like when you're turning the bathtub yeah. on. Uh, you know, and uh, here's how you don't break it so I don't have to come back again yeah yeah even yeah. though he probably wants us wants to come back again so he can bill us more yeah <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, to me um there are those things that should be communicated with the client you know yeah. maybe you shouldn't feel obligated but you should ask them you know do you need yeah. to be do they want training at, at the at the end of the uh you know development process do you need the training yeah. or if you do feel 100% confident in it here you go myself yeah. I've done plumbing, like not professionally, but tried to do my own plumbing and I was terrible at it. And yeah. I ended up having to call in, um, you know, help on it. And, and everybody has their own skill set and expertise. But if, if I, if I was hiring somebody to come in, you know, you know, to come in and do a service for me, I would expect like a, you know, at least like an entry level overview of how things operate. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and you yeah. only need to know as much as you need to know, right? Like, so I'm not going to teach my clients how to do absolutely every single thing on their website, but I am going to teach them the things that they need to know. So if they need to update staff members or if they need to um, change the business hours or they need to be able to change out basic text or they want to be able to write a blog or they want to just change out photos like over time, I'm going to teach them that stuff. I'm not going to teach them, like I actually hide a lot of the dashboard from my clients. So anyone who's staying as a maintenance client, and I guess this is the point as well, is are you handing this completely over to them or are they staying maintenance? But someone who is staying maintenance with me, I give them editor access and I actually cull down a whole lot of what they get. So they don't get access to Divi to the Divi menu, they don't get access to plugins, they don't get access to the main settings. All they get access to is posts, pages, media, um, if there's a custom post type or if there's products, like they get access to what they need access to. Partly it's a good security measure because then they can't, um, if someone hacks into their account, they can do a more limited version of, you know, changing things out, but they don't get access to a lot. So I just give them training on what they have access to so that then they can make changes there. But if you're handing it completely over, I would expect it to be a part of the service. I think it's an important part of the service. But hey, if you want to charge less and not give that service, that's fine. Like if if they don't want it and they don't want to pay for it, you can remove it from a part of the quote. I think that that's completely fine. For me, it's part of that ultimate user experience. So or ultimate customer experience. Like I want my clients to finish with me feeling like 
they just had a great experience with me. Like the whole process was really amazing and I got really great value for my money. And for me, training is a part of that, that my clients consistently walk away saying, oh, those videos were so helpful. And I think that took me an hour, but for them, that made the experience go from here to here, like yeah. with one hour's worth of effort. So yeah, maybe you don't feel like you need to provide it, but I think it will make people think of you differently and talk about you differently, which potentially gives you more work in the future. So I think it's worth yeah, it. And I- I, I can't imagine being a freelance web designer and not offering some sort of training because most of our clients are not going to have an in-house staff with a web designer, like a full-time designer. Um, yeah. and in those rare cases, then yeah, you could build the website and then one person could take it over. But most of our clients, even if they're not going to update the site, um, I found training to be a huge aspect just because if you don't train, and so so for example, if you don't train the client at all and you just send them off of the website and you're gone, they're likely going to have questions about even other stuff involved. Yep. Even if they don't want to just make changes, they're going to have questions about their website stuff and you are their webmaster unless someone else is there. And then what I've found is that if you hand, if they hand that site off to somebody else and another web developer takes it over, they're not going to know your stuff. They might not know Divi. They don't know where the code is. And then you're going to open yourself up to a lot of emails and potentially a bad situation if someone's trying to edit your site and is breaking it and then you've got to come in and troubleshoot, you've got to come in and fix things. So I actually think it's almost more time consuming and more risky not to do training because you can just cover so many grounds. And to Sarah's point, it just does so much for the experience for the customer and it'll really separate you from other web designers. If you go the extra mile and you can provide some good, I mean, it's all about empowering the client, which is what this is all about. Yeah. Yeah. So So another I think as long as it's communicated up front, but I I mean, let's figure like a 40 hour project. If, if an extra 30 minutes or an hour out of a, out of a 40 hour project, like isn't worth you adding in like, you know, some training videos, uh, you know, just figure that's either padded in. I will provide this or, you know, add it separate. If you want to add it as a line item, then that's fine. But yeah, I wouldn't though, because clients will want to cut it out, but they need it. So I would just build it in and just Just, say, this is a part of the service. Like this comes with it, but you also include it in your hour or two hours for it and then go ahead and do it. But that's exactly it's padded in there. Yep. Yeah, because yeah. I have like tiers. I my pricing it's changed a little bit. I I will get a little more custom with it depending on the project, but I have kind of tiers. So I have like twenty four ninety seven for the basic package tier, and then that includes basic training and all that other stuff. And then the next one is like thirty four ninety seven, and that's maybe a ten page website with this kind of functionality. Training is kind of included. So I just those that gives me the padding, the buffer. That way I don't have to be like, okay, training's going to be you know hundred bucks an hour, yeah. and then. You're going to they get wouldn't a want to pay for it. Yeah. yeah. If your margins are that tight, then it's probably time to like, you know, raise your right. you to look yeah. at it. Like, yeah. yeah. So I always thing- find it like a, like a surprise. It's almost like a nice surprise when yeah. people know they're going to be like, they might see it and they're like, oh, okay, he'll let me know how to edit the site. But then they see how thorough it is. Then they see like, oh, it's a custom dashboard and all these videos. Oh, this is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's pretty cool. Now, now Sarah touched on locking down. Um, mm-hmm. the dashboard, is that something you do on every project or does it depend on the client and their skill level or every client? So uh, unless they need access to stuff. So I have maybe three clients who have administrator access and I'm very strict around their measures around how they log in. Um, but 
almost basically I say to clients, I've given you this access, which is my basic limited access. And it just gives them what they need, in my opinion, what they need. And then over time, I say to them, look, my the, the idea is I'm not trying to limit you. I'm just trying to make it simpler for you. And so if there's something that you need access to, you just let me know and I'll give you access to it. That's fine. So if along the way they need access to plugins for some reason, I'll give it to them. But for the most part, I will not give them access to things that I don't feel like they actually need. If they want a plugin added, I'll add it for them. There's no problems. I'm not trying to hold them back. I'm not trying to limit them, but I am trying to make their website as secure as possible, but also simple. Like if you give them everything, they have like 20 things on the left-hand side and they just don't need it. And they find it overwhelming as it is. Whereas most of my clients, I'll hand it over and they'll have maybe seven things on the left-hand side. And it's only the things that they're going to need to have access to. And if they want something else, that's fine. Just talk to me, but I will start with a limited version and then expand if we need to. That's probably a good rule of thumb to go off. I've, I've been kind of bad the past couple of years of just giving administrative access. Whereas I, I should probably be a little more considerate to, to do the editor role. That way they don't see everything. They can do almost everything. Like I literally have only had one or two clients that have had something where they, and it, actually one of them was essential grid. You used to have to have administrator access to be able to use essential grid, which is not mm. the case now. Editors can use it, but in the past, like there's almost nothing that they can't do with editor access that they need to do for the most part. Like it's very, very rare that they need but more than editor. using like, like a plugin, like user role editor, you can, you can customize. Yeah. I, I use a menu editor pro menu yeah. editor pro, I think. And what it does is it allows you to go and you basically, you're kind of editing the menu, but you can edit whether they have permissions so you can remove their permissions or you can just remove it so it doesn't show. So they still have the permissions, but it just doesn't like they can't find it. You can also move things. So like if, if you buy a Divi plugin, you can actually move it into the Divi menu if you don't like it being an extra line item and you can rearrange stuff and change icons if someone has a funny icon. Mm. So that's, that's a really good one that's yeah. worth paying so for. I'm going to tell a real quick story because this just occurred uh, Sunday, a couple of days ago. And uh, Dawn, if you're watching, I, I, I love you. She's, she's one of my favorite clients ever. Um, but she, she uh, built a new homepage for her site and she's become very Divi savvy and, you know, really good at changing things around. She built a new homepage. And so she um, had tried to contact me. I had some family stuff, um, you know, going on and I didn't get back to her, um, you know, as soon as I probably should have. Um, but she wanted to change the homepage of her website. And instead of going to the reading settings and changing the homepage, she went into the uh, general settings and changed the site address URL. Oh, oh no. <laughs> which, which crashed the whole, whole website. Yeah. So, um, you know, she wasn't able to get a hold of me. She, she messaged uh, Leslie, actually. <laughs> Leslie got a hold of me. I was eating dinner at my parents' house, got home later. Once I found out what she did, I was able to go into the database, WP options, site address URL, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and uh, get rid of the, uh, you know, the, um, the change that she Imposter she, URL. Yeah, yeah, the imposter URL that crashed the site. But uh, that's one example of what can happen if, if yeah. clients have access to everything. And, and it's impossible to go over like every single thing in a WordPress admin with them. Yeah, so yeah I'll, I'll know. Like not to touch it unless you like, you know, ask. But, right. Th things are going to happen. So, and that's where having her as an editor would have solved that because she couldn't have gotten to the to the settings. Yeah. I don't think as an editor. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, 
the other thing I would I would really consider is if you're going to train sites and you're, well, if you're going to give clients access to your sites, I have a little warning on my portfolio page that says my clients have, and I forget exactly how I worded it, but it basically says my clients have access to their sites. So some of these may be their doing, like, because I had a site a couple of years ago that looked great, like so much work went in the whole page. And a week later, I looked at it after it went live and they just like completely move stuff around and they just dump like a bunch of text right in the, above the fold. And I was like, oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, just kind of give a, a warning. Well, first of all, yeah. for you as a web designer, it's, it's very potentially, you almost kind of have to humble yourself to design yeah. and you have to let that douchey design part of you just kind of die because yeah. clients <laughs> are going to edit a site. They're going to mess up the design. It's just going to oh, happen. Yeah. Um, just and unless of it first. something that changes yeah. from what's ideal in your head. Um, yeah. to, to that point also, um, I, I think one thing that's important and whether it's either a premium plugin that does this automatically, or it's something that you train the client how to do are backups. And yeah. before you go in and you start changing st stuff around, um, yeah. you either have an automatic backup in place to where if something does mess up, yeah. um, you can go in and, and you can restore it. Sometimes it's a yeah. server, which is awesome, but you should also have something like an updraft. If, yeah. If you don't have a subscription to a premium backup plugin like Updraft Plus or something like that, then at least, you know, put in like, you know, the free like all-in-one WP migration to, and show the client how to pull a backup and make it their responsibility before you go start messing with stuff, pull a backup. If they don't do it, then, you know, that that's yeah. on them and... Yeah, because the revisions are really nice if somebody messes up a page. But if somebody to like in that situation, Corey, where they get into the site URL and then they change that, then you're screwed. So I, I kind of yeah. use that as a it's completely down. So right. like wipe it, you know, if you didn't know what you're doing in the database. Um, yeah. I just warn my clients that they don't sign up for my maintenance plan, that their site's not going to be backed up unless they handle that. And so it actually sometimes leads to kind of a, a new client for my maintenance as well. Uh, yeah. But yeah, either way, however you want to handle that, that's definitely important. Uh, same thing. So we were talking about backups. Um, oh, shoot. I just forgot it. Oh, it'll come to me. That was, it was a good call though. You definitely want to keep it secure. Like okay. I have updraft we'll, we'll wait on, until you remember. I'm just <laughs> I, I've got updraft on all mine. And so generally when I do handover to the clients, the first thing I say to them is, look, we, we back your website up every night. So if you go in there and make some changes, the worst that's going to happen is we're going to roll it back to yesterday. So that's okay. Like, don't be too afraid because a lot of my clients, they're quite nervous about making changes. They really want to do it themselves, but especially when they're starting out and backups have just been a lifesaver. Like being able to just roll it back to yesterday. Yeah, they're going to lose some changes that they've made, but at the same time, they know that they can always go back to yesterday. So it's not the end of the world. If something happens, then we can always go back and that's okay yeah. um and and being able to teach them when they're using like the visual editor or something to be able to see it and just click undo you can just keep clicking undo until you get back to when you first loaded the page like that's been a really big lifesaver for a lot of my clients as well and I think that's one of the beautiful things about Divi is they can make the changes while they're seeing it and if they just stuff it up they can just go back to when they started and don't click save until you're absolutely certain that you're really happy with it. And if you stuff it up, let's just go back to yesterday. It's okay. Um, but the other thing is when I hand off a client who is not going to do maintenance, I just take it back up and then store it. And I say to them, like, that, that's fine. I'll send you on your way. These are the things you need to do to look after your website. If you don't, you can always come back to this point. Like I have a backup of it right now. 
and you can always come back to now if something happens it gets hacked or you make changes and you hate it or whatever that's fine like you know come back to me and I have had clients come back to me and say I need you to take back over it can we start where we finished up with you um, yeah so that's and, worth and, it as well and if you have a client who's always adjusting and making changes adding new pages doing different things maybe maybe set up a development domain form and then show them yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, with, with the you know Divi library and exporting layouts and, and things like that yeah. I do have to point it's, out because because I think um, I, I did see them say something about how we're missing their jokes but there's kind of a hilarious thread going on right now in the chat about yeah. because we have Josh Hall and Sarah Oates. So I don't get the I don't get the joke. So I, I, don't, I don't really get because I've never listened much to Hall and Oates, but I think yeah. they're talking about Hall and Oates like songs and yeah, like Hall and Hall and Oates, the band, the music group. Is that an American thing? Yeah, it's American... an American group. Yeah, okay. I never yeah. thought I about that. Say, my husband used to get teased. Uh, do you guys have Uncle Toby Oates, like the brand? Mm -hmm. So we have a brand of breakfast oats called Uncle Toby's Oats, and he used to get called Uncle Toby's his whole growing up. Well, Sarah, if we ever merge our design companies yeah, we together, could call it we Hall, can, Hall and Oats is definitely going to happen. Very nice. Sorry yeah. to Uncle Steve. I did not get that joke because I'm not American. <laughs> and, and, hey, and by I, the way, you guys will dominate the baby boomer market when you, yes. when you change the name to that. Yeah, yeah that's Speaking right. Speaking of comments, so Marcy had a good one talking about uh she feels like if the client's going to pay for the website then it's theirs they own it um yeah. it is really really difficult when you slave out over hours on a website and you come up with your design and it's like perfect to let it go like i really struggle with that sometimes when i really worked hard for a site and then if i let it go to a client and if i if they're going to make edits and changes then it's more than likely going to get messed up so it is kind of a um like I said, it's kind of humbling and you almost have to, to let yourself just like, let it go. I guess it's like a little website kid. You just, they get older, they got to You gotta let them go. Um, so that's kind of one thing I've really challenged myself with because I used to get, I used to irk me to no end when a client would mess up my designs, but it just is what it is. They paid for it. If they're going to have access to it, then, you know, unless yeah. it's like a big corporate brand that has guidelines and stuff, it's probably going to look a little janky at some point. Yeah, and and, and think, it, comes, it comes down to like certain factors. And I think a big one of those are, are their budget. And I'm sure the clients know, okay, I can call Josh. He's going to do, he's going to do this way better than I can do it. But you know, when you're making payroll and you're paying taxes and your budget's tight, yeah. I think clients are more prone at that point to like jump in and try to do it themselves. And they probably know even in the back of their mind, maybe some don't, some think it looks great, mm -hmm. but in the back of their mind, they're going, okay, this doesn't look all that great, but it's sufficient for what I need. So, you know, sometimes it's not just them being, uh, you know, a pain and going in and making changes to, you know, uh, to piss you off. It's because they can't afford to, you know, maybe pay the extra maintenance hours to you. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I like my whole my whole business is around wanting to empower people to be able to make their own changes. So that's part of my reasoning for limiting their access is because I want to empower them without giving them the ability to kill their site. Um, but at the same time, I want to empower people. So when people want to make changes, I get really excited. And generally, I'll just take a full screenshot of their website and I put that full screenshot on my portfolio. So I'm clearly showing this was my design. And then I have a link to their website. And if the website looks different, that's okay. That's part of it being a live website of, you know, that's just part of life. But I really want to empower my clients to be able to 
to be making changes and keep their website alive because for most of them, they don't come back to me and say, hey, can you change these bits and pieces? So I want them to be changing it and keeping it, not just a static I've never, I've never done this, but I, I do take a backup. Once the site is completely ready and it goes live, I take an immediate backup and I save that locally. Um, I mean, if a site ever just demolished, a, uh, a client ever demolished a site, then I could always upload that to a different server and just say, you know, here's the, here's the previous design. This is what um, it did yeah, look we, like when yeah. it was awesome. We, we develop on a, on a domain on our own, own server. And unless it's like a super like, uh, you know, resource intensive website, you know, and, you know, the database is like a gig and stuff like that. More, more often than not, we'll, we'll keep that like on our development server mm. and refer back to that. But, and especially if it's a design that we really like and it's, and it's, you know, really great for a portfolio, we want to maintain that and we'll keep it. Um, in other cases, you know, maybe it is a site that uh, went a different direction we didn't like, and it's not exactly how we imagine, and it's not a portfolio piece. In that case, we might not keep it on our uh, development server, but that, that's another way to do it. And I, I think a lot of uh, web designers and developers do that, develop locally. Once it's ready, yeah. we migrate to the client server and, you know, and then sometimes it goes south from there. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it, so. Uh, so one other thing that I do as part of handoff is I give all my clients a three-month buffer window. So even if they're not going on my maintenance plan, so even if I develop the site, they're hosting it, they're going to manage it ongoing. I give them a three-month buffer window. So I hand them over all the videos, but as a part of handing over all the videos, I say in the next three months, you have extra time where you can come back to me and say, I can't work out how to do this thing, whatever it is. And so I encourage you over the next three months to check out the videos, make sure you know what you need to be able to do. And if you have any questions, come back to me and then I'll continue to add extra videos. For the most part, they might ask me one or two things, but I find that clients really appreciate knowing I haven't just cut it off. Like I haven't just made it live and then I'm out. Like, you know, don't come back to me unless they're on maintenance. So I give them this three month buffer window and I'll try and I book into my calendar to just send an email towards the end of the three months just to say, hey, just letting you know, it's almost been three months. How's it going with the Mm -hmm. website? Do you have any final questions? Because after this three months, you're going to need to start paying if you um, have any questions along the way. And for for the most part, it would have added maybe half an hour you know, or even just bugs. Like if they notice that it's behaving funny on a mobile or it's behaving funny on whatever, then they know that during that three months they can come back to me and I'll keep fixing those bugs. Um, I think for some clients it alleviates that it has to be perfect before it goes live, but it also alleviates that stress of, oh no, I'm not sure if I know how to do everything. They know they have this kind of grace period where Mm -hmm. I'm still available. Um, So that's worked really well for me. I haven't had any clients abuse that to this point, I, I know it is possible that clients could abuse that by asking a lot of questions, but for the most part, I wouldn't say it's added any more than say half an hour um, to any client. And I think, again, it in, it enhances that ultimate client experience. Yeah, you know, and one thing we haven't talked about yet is when we give them access. So mm-hmm. typically I will give access once the site goes live, but if it's something like WooCommerce or something a little more advanced to where sometimes it's good to train them a little bit, at least before the site goes live, because if they end up messing something up right when the site goes live and they're doing a big launch, then it can be devastating. So yeah. I kind of take that. I don't know what you guys, if you have a certain way of going about that, but it, it depends for me. Generally, most of my clients can edit it once it's live, but 
if it is something product related or more advanced, I will generally try to get them trained a week or two before it goes live so they can play around with some things and feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, in the case of like, you know, a store or maybe they want to go and have, you know, 10 blog posts ready to go yeah. or something like that before the site goes live. Um, there are cases where clients are perfectly capable after you show them of going in and populating products and maybe, you know, you don't want to pay me $175 an hour yeah. to go and put your products in when when you can do it or your nephew can, can go in and do it. So, hey, mm-hmm. all right, two weeks before it launches, here's access, get done what you need to get done. Uh, if you can't get it done, pay us. But you know, there are cases where yeah. where I definitely don't mind doing that. Just just stay within the realm that you're supposed to, and don't go touching other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, for the most part, my stuff has always just handed over at the time of going live, but not for any particular reason. Like I I haven't really held it back. It's mostly just that I'm still working on it and still bug fixing it and still mobile testing. Usually, mobile testing is towards the end the last week and so before I've done all of that there's no point to them getting in there because if I have to fix one thing it might have to impact a whole lot of things so for the most part I don't give access until it's live but I do have a couple of clients where they didn't want to pay me to add all the products and so I just added like five products and then they added them but for the most part I would say I hand it over at the time it goes live yeah and, and in some cases the design or development can be completely done and maybe we finished ahead of deadline and they want to launch it like yeah. you know on January 1st or something like that yeah. and then a couple of weeks for them to go in and, and tweak that I don't think but, I've ever had that <laughs> I would me, like- me neither I was like you know I would um, like to say that I've had that, but for the most part, we're like that must have been the, the unicorn life. site that you designed. <laughs> and, you know, celebrate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. So I just had a client this last week, and he, I mean, he came to me and said, "I want to build this website. I want it to be friendly for dinosaurs like me." That was his kind of opening pitch to me. So basically, he wanted it to be super simple. Yeah. Yep. He had the design ready. He wanted it exactly the way he had this design and it's very old school, but he loves it. And so I created it for him. But another thing he said to me is I want training via PDF. So I had to go and make PDF. Mm -hmm. So I had to like build this into the timeframe because ordinarily it would have taken me maybe half an hour to make his videos, but I had to make PDFs training and that took me hours hours and hours of screenshotting then writing what you have to do circling the little thing screenshotting it took forever but for him that's what he needed he was willing to pay for that service and he loves it he's really happy with it and I mean we're not talking about it now but it's one example of you're making this website for the client you just do it however they want if they want training as pdf as long as you build it into your time frame if you're willing to do the work and they're willing to pay for it Hey, it's part of the job sometimes. Yeah, there's a there's only been one. I can only remember one situation where there was one client who I just would not let edit the site. Now, luckily, this was one of two people. One person, <laughs> she was like really savvy and she was fine. But this guy, I think I mentioned this before. Um, we I got the website ready and I sat down to train them, and she was pretty savvy. And then the the guy was like, "How do I get my pictures from my camera to my computer?" And I was like, if you, there's no way I was going to let him near that site. Like I'm not an IT personal yeah. guy. Like it's just, you know, they're, they're, they're the ones who upload things. like a 50 meg image yes. to the website. And yeah, you're there, like, ah, there may be some times where you go to visit them, like to discuss their website and then you end up like hooking up their printer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I've done that before actually. Yep. 
<laughs> this will cost because <laughs> I don't like crawling around on the ground. All yeah. right. Um, well, I think we're coming up. Uh, we got about six minutes left. We did start a few minutes late, but uh, do you guys want to go into final thoughts or? Yeah, that sounds good. I feel like we've covered a lot in this I time. I think so, yeah. I, I know we... before, like, <laughs> not very many panelists. I'm not sure if it'll go the full hour, but I think we've been uh, been doing pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, let's do final thoughts. I guess if any um, people listening have any final questions, we can maybe address those. But uh, do one of you want to get started? Well, I'll just say when it comes to, I mean, we've covered a lot as far as, let's see, how to, like how to, figure out when, like from the get go, find out if it's, if you're going to build the project around maintenance, if that's going to be something that they're going to want from the get go. We've talked about how to hand it off to them and how to, um, you know, give them good documentation. So it's a win-win on both sides. I think after talking with you guys over this, for me, the word that really stands out is empowerment. And that's what really handing a site is all about. It's about empowering your client whether whatever level they're at, whether they want to really run with it and do a lot or whether they just want to pop in every once in a while, um, empowerment will go a long way. And then in turn, it'll really make you a lot more valuable and it'll really position you as an expert in the field. Uh, it can do wonders for client retention and then people coming back to you if you really empower them as opposed to just saying, okay, I built you a website, good luck. Um, to your point, Corey, you know, if somebody does something to where you should know about it, you should know about it. Um, so if, if you empower your clients, it can do, it can be a win-win all around. It can really go a long way. All right, Sarah. Um, the one thing that we didn't talk about, so I'll use it as my final thoughts, is passwords and handing off passwords to clients. So um, there's a couple of ways that you can hand over access to the website. For example, it's really important that you don't email your clients their passwords because emails are really insecure um, it's really not a good idea. So when you're creating them a user, I recommend creating them a user and doing that one where it ticks the thing and it just sends them a link and they can then set their own password. I'd recommend mm. doing it that way. Um, the other option is to use something like LastPass and then share the password with them. So in, within LastPass, that's ideal because then if they change the password, you still have access to that password. Um, so that's probably an ideal way. But for the majority of my clients, they do not use LastPass. They find it really overwhelming. They're certainly not going to use two-factor authentication. Like it's, I'm fighting uphill with most of my clients around passwords. So for the most part, um, I will make it so they have to set their own password to log in. And then I'll use that user switching uh, plugin if I need to be that's them. Yeah, either that or I'll create another editor, like an editor access person that I can then, do. so I'll do the training from an editor access person. And then that way they're just seeing in the videos what they will see, not my whole admin um, nice. screen. Um, and then, so you've got to hand them off that. And then there's usually a couple of other passwords that I'm needing to hand over to them, but I can't think of what they are now. Um, but if you do yeah, need to I hand off- For whatever reason, I guess. and. Yeah, oh, especially if you're handing the website completely Cause, over, cause then you might be set up their hosting for them and make sure they have yeah. all that. Yeah, or like know. setting up Cloudflare or those kind of things. So if you can, you can create a Gmail address and then kind of do it all within that. But if you need to hand off passwords and they don't use LastPass, another way to do it is to, if they've got iMessage and you happen to have iMessage, you can do that. That's encrypted. Um, or the other thing you can do is just make a quick video to show them, okay, 
here is your password, please log in straight away and change your password. It's not guaranteed they're gonna do it and you need to let them know the risk of that, but I just recommend not giving it to them through their email if you can at all possibly, that would be highly recommended. I agree. And your husband's like a white hat hacker security kind of guy, right? So let's all listen yeah. to Sarah's advice here because I'm sure he knows Fish, some Phishing emails. It's all about phishing emails. Yeah. So emails, emails are bad. Like just if you can stay away from emails, emails are ideal to stay away from. So yeah, if you're going to hand off passwords, like try and do it another way other than emails mm. is my recommendation. Definitely. Um, you know, my advice is kind of what we talked about, just be very transparent uh, from the get go about the, you know, the handoff process. It should probably be included in the contract and the scope of the, of the project. Um, yeah. You know, as we discussed, adding it as a line item, might, people might want to take away from it. And then you're like, okay, it's now I can't basically hand this off anyway, amicably. So just find a way to include it in, in the project. Um, every client, every project is going to be different. And every website might be less or more complex. So no, no one handoff is going to be the same. So just try to get a really good sense of your client's skill sets, what their needs are moving forward, and then adjust from there. Uh, Divi has built-in user role settings. There's plenty of plugins out there. Uh, if you do have additional questions on it, you, you can email us, um, info at divi.chat, and we'll um, you know, try to answer your questions or ask us on Facebook. But uh, We've uh, we've all done this dozens of times, and we have some experience in it. So yeah, and getting on Loom now, just like create an account because I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm really hoping that they at least give us a slight discount when they do start charging. So yeah. get in now. Good Loom, call. Loom is awesome. Um, all right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, this is our new time slot. Uh, an hour before right now is when the episode began. Obviously, um, that's right. Nine a.m. for Australia. Yeah, I'm in Arizona, so uh, it my time stayed the same, but the time of it changed because we're sticking to uh, the other time slots. Um, so thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Join us next week, and it'll be episode 103. I'm not sure what the topic is, but we will have it announced on our Facebook page. So like I think it's Google Facebook. Analytics, if I remember. Google <laughs> Analytics, okay. Nice. So yeah, like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, visit our website, divi.chat, and we'll see you guys next week. Awesome, guys. See you later. Bye. Right, bye. Take care. Bye-bye.